you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll read from a portion uh, found in verses 24 and 25. And as you're turning there, you're going to look for the sentence that begins with the phrase, the grass withers. So 1 Peter chapter 1. There within verses 24 and 25, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Those are words from 1 Peter, but recognize that the apostle, he did not write them. In other words, Peter, he was not the author of those verses. Rather, Peter was quoting from another source. You see, Peter was quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And you can read the source in Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8, and I'll read it for you. For it's there the prophet says, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of God... He says, endures forever. That's Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. So we can understand that Peter quotes Isaiah when he says that the word of the Lord endures forever. And I believe that that is an incredibly striking feature for us to note this morning. Why? Well, it's for this reason. It's, this is our, our, our premise, the base for the argument that the word of the Lord endures forever. Why is it significant that we find it in Isaiah and again in Peter? Well, understand this, that Isaiah, Isaiah was written in 700 B.C., give or take a year or two in that time. 700 B.C. Peter came along and Peter was written in 60 A.D. So what I want you to understand is that we have a period of over 700 years, seven centuries between when Isaiah wrote, the word of the Lord endures forever. And Peter wrote that the word of the Lord endures forever. And what I want us to understand, what I want us to see, is that what was true in Isaiah's day, that the word of the Lord endured forever, recognize it was still true here. 700 years later. 
And so my premise for this morning is that what was true in Isaiah's day and what was true in Peter's day, I want you to understand that it is also true in my day in 2020. That the word of the Lord endures forever. It's still true. Now, why should I care? Why does that matter to me that the word of the Lord endures forever? What does the word of the Lord enduring, what does that even mean? The word of the Lord enduring forever, it means that the word, it is everlastingly able. The word of the Lord enduring forever means to me that the word, it is everlastingly Able. Now, able to what? Well, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So the word of the Lord, it is everlastingly able, it's saying, to teach today. And forevermore. Second Timothy is saying that the word is ever lastingly able to correct today and forevermore. It is everlastingly able to equip. The word of the Lord is able. No doubt a number of you are familiar with Second Timothy, but are you also familiar with Psalm 19? For Psalm 19, 7 to 8 says this about the word. It says that the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. It says that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It says the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So what's that saying? It's saying the word of the Lord, it is everlastingly able to restore. It's saying it is everlastingly able to make wise, everlastingly able to provoke joy and bring to the light. Everlastingly able. And I want you to know today that the word of the Lord, it is everlastingly able. And therefore... As a result, therefore, it is worth your relishing. It's worth your seeking after. The word of the Lord, it is worth your your seeing through. Everything I do, I'm looking through the word of God. Every decision that you have, every dilemma every depression, every despair, may we see those things, may we view those things through the word of the Lord. We understand that some would say that the word of the Lord has no place in this life, in our context, in this century, they would say it has no purpose. They would suggest to you that it has no relevance, that the scriptures are merely stories which were written by men, shaped and tainted 
by their culture. They address issues that are specific only to that time, only to that space. It's not an enduring document. It is not everlastingly able. But consider again the space, the distance between Isaiah in 700 B.C. and Peter again in 60 A.D. Think about all of the changes that took place in this time period. All of the world powers that came and went, the kings that came and went. For 700 years, the circumstances, they fluctuated. Okay, circumstances fluctuated, cultures progressed, the knowledge, it expanded. You know, people grew in their knowledge of the world. Things changed. The world in Peter's day, it did not look like it had in Isaiah's day. The world was different, and yet what did Peter say? The word of the Lord, it endures. The word of the Lord, he said, is everlastingly able I was curious about this time period and the changes that took place. So I went to the library this week to look up notable inventions. I thought that would be interesting. And what kind of what kind of inventions were happening between 700 BC and 60 AD as the world was changing, as the world was progressing and growing, what was happening? So I've got a few for your entertainment. In 600 B.C., standardized coins were invented. Okay, so before that, they had precious metals that they would trade in exchange for goods. But it was really uh, easy to disguise you know, those, those precious metals and, and, and uh, be fraudulent, you know, cheat people, uh, fake them. And so in 600 B.C., they began to stamp coins. They standardized uh, the coins In 500 B.C., the magnetic compass was invented. (laughs) In 450 B.C., someone wondered, what would happen if I cross a horse with a donkey? What would happen? I wonder what would happen if I bred that horse to that donkey over there. I wonder what I'd get. Do you know what you get when you cross a horse with a donkey? A mule. And, you know, mules can't reproduce also. I just tell you that because if you're like, you know, honey, let's go get some mules this afternoon and breed them, you know, you won't get more mules, okay? You've got to have a horse to a donkey, and then you get the mule. 400 B.C., moving on. 400 B.C., the crossbow and the catapult were invented. In 250 B.C., Archimedes... Uh, he was that guy who yelled Eureka and he, you know, ran down the street uh, doing his thing. Archimedes, he developed formulas for calculating surface area and the volume of a sphere. In 200 B.C., there was a librarian at the Library of Alexandria who began to introduce punctuation into text into the Greek text. So before then, the, the Greeks, they, they would just you know, write the words, and a lot of times there wouldn't even be space between the words. Imagine trying to read that. I mean, no spacing. 
But this librarian came along and began to, to space out the words and introduce punctuation into the language. Study of trigonometry was founded in 150 B.C. for all of our joy, right? Okay, but most important of all, okay, this is perhaps the most important invention that took place in all, all of this, this time here. I'm being serious, okay? Most important invention, granddaddy of all, of all, it was the camel saddle. The camel saddle was invented. Somebody decided, you know what, it would be a lot more comfortable if I put a saddle on this camel. I'll tell you, it revolutionized camel travel, they say. I mean, once you have ridden a camel with a saddle, you'll never want to ride one without, right? Camel saddle. So that, that was a big deal uh, back then. But understand my point is that things changed a lot between 700 B.C. and 60 A.D. Life did not look, the culture did not look the same in Peter's day as it had in Isaiah's. There were new issues for Peter. There were new debates. I mean, Christ had come. There was reason for discernment. There were new wrestlings. There were new questions. Questions which in Isaiah's day could not have even been conceived in his brain. And yet what did Peter say? Understand, he reaffirmed the truth of the prophet. That the grass withers and the flowers fall. But it is the word of the Lord that endures Forever, Peter said, understand the word of God over this time, it has not shifted. Peter said that the word of God over this time, it still applies. Okay, he's saying it still counts. He's saying it still speaks to your situation today, to your crossroads, to your question. It can still restore you, Peter's saying. He can still bring you life. It can still make you wise, enlightened. What's the premise? What's the base of my argument today? It's that in the same way that the word of the Lord endured from the time of Isaiah to the time of Peter, I want to suggest to you that the word of the Lord continues to endure today from Isaiah to Peter to you. Okay? From Isaiah to Peter to me, the word of the Lord is everlastingly able. It's everlastingly able. We can understand that this world has changed. It's going to change some more. But I want to say this. The Bible is everlastingly able. You know, if you're younger today, I I would think that this applies to all of us, but I'd say specifically to, you know, if you're like five and you can hear me and understand me and, and 21, you know, maybe in that, in that age group, I want you to know that the word of God can be your safe guide. The word of God can direct you in your life pursuits, in your decisions, The Bible is your guide. The Bible is your direction. The Bible are God's words of caution to you. It is everlastingly able. 
For the word of God is alive and it is powerful and sharper than a sword. Therefore, okay, in light of this, this time-defying ability, in light of this enduring quality, that it's everlastingly able, the question then becomes, will I receive that truth? Will I receive the word? If it is truly everlastingly able, will I allow it to penetrate into me? To take hold of me? Will I allow that? Will you allow the Lord Jesus today to bring about a burn in your heart for his word? A hunger for the things of God. A hunger for the words of God. Will you choose to make Today, the word, your source. For understand that the psalmist, he says, oh, the joys. He said, the joy of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked. He said, oh, the joys of those who don't stand with the sinners. He said, oh, the joys of those who don't join in with the mockers, but they delight. The psalmist wrote, their delight, it's in the law of the Lord. Oh, their joy, he said, for those who delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it. They they read it. They breathe it. And they live it day and night. It says they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all that they do, but not the wicked. For they are like the chaff. The chaff that is scattered by the wind. So understand Psalm 1 is saying that that they are like trees planted along a river bank. They are well watered, those people. They are nourished, those people. They are restored, they are filled, they are whole. Those who delight in the everlasting ability. Of the word of God. This was a big flower week. Happy Valentine's Day. Society of American Florists say that 250 million roses uh, were produced for Valentine's Day. Uh, I went out and I bought, bought a bouquet uh, this week. $16.99 at uh, Meyer, And when I bought it, that... Uh, that bouquet, it was, in a, it was in a base of water. And the flowers, believe it or not, I mean, they looked, you know, really nice. I mean, this, uh, there's, this was a rose, and uh, it, it was like, you know, pointing up, and, and it was green, and it was full, and it was blooming, and it, and it was really pretty. And, and when I picked the, these flowers up out of that base, you know, the water, they were just so full of water, they, they were just dripping. As I walked from the parking lot you know, over to here, the, the water, it was just dripping along the sidewalk. I mean, they, these flowers, they were full of water. But you know, when I got here, I didn't put any water in the vase, Right? And I'll tell you, how quickly did the flowers bow? How quickly did they fall and droop? And and how quickly they became brittle 
and hard and broken. Just earlier this week, they were full, they were green, they were alive. But without the water, those flowers, they quickly fell. And understand that Isaiah, he's saying, listen, people are like that. The grass withers. He's saying the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord, those who who engage, those who are filled with the word of the Lord, the psalmist says they're like trees planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf, it says, does not wither. I pray that you would hear me today when I say that God, He does not want you to wither today. He does not want you to wither. He does not want you to be blown away by His breath. That is not His heart. The heart of God, that is not His desire. The desire of God, that is not His hope. The hope of God, that is not His hope for you, that you would be blown away, scattered like chaff in the wind. I was stirred this week when I read John chapter 8, verse 37. In John chapter 8, 37, in that context, Jesus, He's surrounded by critics. And He's surrounded by skeptics and Doubters, you know, wafflers, should I follow Christ? Should I not follow Christ? What should I do? And in John chapter 8, verse 37, Jesus delivers to them this, this stinging, piercing rebuke. He says this to the critics and the skeptics and the doubters. You have no room for my word. Jesus said, you have no room for my word. He was saying that you do not allow the word of God to penetrate you. You do not allow the word of God to take hold of you. You do not allow the word of God to fill you. You've got no room for it, Jesus tells them. And oh, that that would not be true of us today. That there would would be no room in our inn. Okay, you hear that? That there would be no room in our inn for the Word of God. May that not be true for us in this place. For there was never room for Jesus, was there? There was never room for Him. You think back to the beginning. There was no room in the inn. You think further along, it says the Son of Man, He had no, no place to lay His head. There was never room for Jesus. There was never room for Him in the religious circles. There was never room for Him in the big cities or the small. The Bible says His own people did not receive Him. There was never room for Jesus. But it says also, While his own people did not receive him, it says that to all who believed in him, to all those who accepted him, who took hold of the word, he gave the right to become children of God. Understand that to those who make room for Jesus, who humbly accept 
the word of God that has been planted in your hearts. To those who choose the word of Christ, this is not your reality. This is not your brokenness and your brittleness. This is not your truth. For those who choose the word of God, there is life and fullness and bloom and green for those who take hold of him. May we remember that today. D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said, I never saw a man full of God who wasn't full of scripture. I never saw a man, he said. I never saw a man who was full of God who wasn't also full of the scriptures. The scriptures are what fills us up. And so that we would would long then today to be full of scripture. That we would long to be full of what is perfect. That we would long to be full of that which is restorative. I love that word restorative. I was thinking about on the... The TV, you know, they'll have those commercials where you can buy your, you know, lotions and your skin creams. And they say, oh, you know, put this on your face and it'll, it'll restore the youth. It'll, it'll bring it back. It's, it's a restorative cream, they say. It's the word of the Lord that will restore. If you want to look new, if you want to look young and and purdy p u r d y purdy if you want to be dressed with the splendor of a flower in the field it's the word of the lord for understand the word of the lord it is everlastingly able It was true in Isaiah's day in 700 B.C. It was true 700 years later in Peter's day in 60 A.D. It is true 2,000 years later for you and for me. The word of the Lord endures forever. It was in Nehemiah chapter 8 that Ezra got all the people together. The men and the women and the children, all those who were able to understand. He brought them all together. He assembled them and he read to them the word of the Lord. And I had such an impression on my heart to read to you Psalm 119 today. And if you know anything about Psalm 119, uh, they say it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Although it's not really a chapter, it's a psalm, but that's what the people say, so that's fine. But I want to read you Psalm 119 for this reason. Because I believe as we read through this out loud, what you're going to hear is this cyclical, this repetitive commendation towards the excellencies of the Word of God. Okay, you're going to hear it over and over and over. You know, Corinne read just that small portion for us. But if we put it all together, you're going to hear it again and again and again. And so I want us uh, to do that today. Now, again, I recognize it's a long psalm. So here's my suggestion. As I'm reading along, what I would encourage you to do, if you would like, you can take out your bulletin. And in your bulletin, you can write down, mark, every time you hear the word reference 
the word. Okay, every time you hear the word lifted up, mark it. One, two, three, four, cross five. One, two, three. And see how many times the word of the Lord is exalted. Now, you're going to hear the word referred to in a lot of uh, different ways. So you'll see it referred to as uh, statutes. And you could write this in your bulletin if you want. You don't have to. It's just a suggestion. Uh, But you could write it in your bulletin. Then the next to it, you can mark. How many times do I hear statutes? Listen for the word precept. It's talking about the word of God. Listen for the word command. It's talking about the word of God. Listen for the word. You'll hear that. Listen for the word promise. Again, that's the word of the Lord. When it talks about promises, it's talking about the word of the Lord. Six, here's a final one. Listen for the word decree. There again, statutes, precepts, command, word, promise, decree, over and over You're going to hear those. And those aren't all the words. So see if you can find uh, some other other words that are used to describe the word of the Lord. And again, why are we doing this? It's that we might be awakened to the excellencies of the word. That the spirit would have opportunity to impress on our hearts that his words are honeycomb on my lips. That we'd understand that today, that there would be a growing knowledge in my heart that the word of God, it's like dark chocolate on my tongue. That's what the word is to us. For it says, blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Do good to your servant and I will live. I will obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all time. You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from your commands. Remove from me scorn and contempt for I keep your statutes. Though rulers sit together and slander me, 
Your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes. Oh, Lord, do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servants so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. May your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I will answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be Put to shame, for I delight in your commands because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me without restraint, but I do not turn from your law. I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because. Because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song. Wherever I lodge in the night, I remember your name, O Lord, and I will keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. You are my portion, O Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and I have turned my steps toward your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands though the wicked bind me with ropes I will not forget your law at midnight I rise to give you thanks why for your righteous laws I am a friend to all who fear you to all who follow your precepts the earth is filled with your love O Lord teach me your decrees do good to your servant according to your word O Lord teach me knowledge and good judgment for I believe in your commands before I was afflicted I went astray but now I obey your word you are good and what you do is good teach me your decrees though the arrogant have smeared me with lies I keep your precepts with all my heart their hearts are callous and unfeeling but I delight in your law it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold your hands made 
made me. Your hands formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wrongdoing without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me. May those who understand your statutes turn. May my heart be blameless toward your decrees that I may not be put to shame. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant digs pitfalls for me, contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for men persecute me without cause. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. Preserve my life according to your love, and I will obey the statutes of your mouth. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day. For all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts. For by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought, I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. How I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts I have kept my feet from evil paths so that I might obey your word I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth I gain understanding from your precepts therefore I hate every wrong turn your word a lamp to my feet it's a light to my path I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws I have suffered much preserve my life O lord according to your word accept O lord the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws though i constantly take my life in my hands i will not forget your law the wicked have set a snare for me but i have not strayed from your precepts your statutes are my heritage forever they are the joy of my heart my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end are you guys hearing this Are you hearing this over and over? He says, I hate double-minded men, but I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Away from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commands of my God. Sustain me according to your promise, and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. Uphold me, and I will be delivered. I will always have regard for your decrees. You reject all who stray from your decrees for their deceit. 
deceitfulness. It is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your statutes. My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your law. I have done what is righteous and right. Do not leave me. Ensure your servant's well-being. Let not the arrogant oppress me. My eyes fail looking for your salvation, looking for your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your love and teach me your decrees for I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your at statutes. It is time for you to act, O Lord. Your law is being broken because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold and because I consider all your precepts right. I hate every wrong path. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives life It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from the oppression of men, that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law. It is not obeyed. Righteous are you, O Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. My zeal, it wears me out, for my enemies ignore your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. Your servant loves them, though I am lowly and despised. I do not forget your precepts. How righteous is everlasting is your law. It is true. Trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands are my delight. Your statutes are forever right. Give me understanding that I may live. I call with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord, and I will obey your decrees. I call out to you. Save me, and I will keep your statutes. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Hear my voice in accordance with your love. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your law. Those who devise wicked schemes are near, but they are far from your law. Yet you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are true. Long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. Look upon my suffering and deliver me, for I have not forgotten your law. Defend my cause and redeem me. Preserve my life according to your promise. Salvation, it is far from the wicked, for they do not seek out your decrees. Your compassion is great, O Lord. Preserve my life according to your laws. Many are the foes who persecute me, but I have not turned from your statutes. I look on the faithless with loathing, for they do not obey your words. See how I love your precepts. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your love, and all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Rulers persecute me without cause, but my heart, it trembles at your word. I rejoice in your promise like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times I praise you for your righteous laws. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. I wait for your salvation, O Lord, and I obey your commands. I obey your statutes, and I love them greatly. I obey your precepts and your statutes, for all my ways are known to you. May my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. 
May my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. May my lips overflow with praise. For you teach me your decrees. May my tongue sing of your word. For all your commands are righteous. May your hand be ready to help me. For I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord. And your law is my delight. Let me live that I may praise you. And may your laws sustain me. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Last verse. Verse 176. Seek your servant. For I have not forgotten your commands. The word of the Lord. Must not be something we do. It must be something that we are filled with. Something that we are taken hold of by the word of the Lord. It endures forever. It was true in Isaiah's day, 700 B.C. It was true in Peter's day. He reaffirmed it. He said, this is still true, friends. And I'm telling you today, in 2020, that the word of the Lord continues to speak. Friend, it is everlastingly able to meet you where you are today. It is everlastingly able to make known to you the way of salvation, which is through the light that is Jesus Christ. And how I pray that each of us, that we wouldn't be like those skeptics. Remember me talking about the skeptics in John 8, verse 37. There were skeptics and doubters and critics. And Jesus said, there's no room in your heart for my word. <sighs> Allow it to penetrate within you today. I pray through Psalm 119, you see the overwhelming excellency that is the word of God. Fully able to teach and correct and guide and lead you to the place where the Father would have you be today. I'd encourage you to bow your heads with me. And I'll give you just just a moment or two. But if you're at that place this morning, I'd encourage you to ask the Father to awaken a love for his law. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Do you need revive today? What revives?
The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You need wisdom today. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. You need joy in your heart today. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Oh, Holy Spirit, reveal to us He who is the light. He who is the honeycomb. He who is joy to the heart. Oh, Holy Spirit, impress upon us the value of the Word of God. Cause our hearts to run to it, to seek it, to realize the life-giving power. Life-giving power that's held therein. Father, I'm ashamed that so much of my life has been spent wandering. Walking about awkwardly. Bumping into walls. Bumping into doors as if I was blind. So much of my life. Father, today we believe that your word, it is everlastingly able. It is able to endure. And I pray that a love for the word of God, that it would fill this place, that it would spread through this house. That we would long for it as we do for life. We would long for it as we long for food. That we would long for it as we long for drink. For the righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields his fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. Why? He meditates on the word of God. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Forgive me uh, for not cherishing it near enough, for not seeking it, not near hard enough, for not allowing it to just work and move and restore me. Forgive me for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.